Welcome to the newsroom. I'm your guest host, Kelly Knoyer. Thank you for joining us. It's election season! And you know what that means. We're going weekly here on the newsroom. In the next few episodes, we'll hear the highlights from the three candidate forums WHQR is putting on with other newsrooms in the region. But first, let's get down to brass tacks. Transit tacks, that is. In today's show, we'll go into detail on what the proposed quarter-cent sales tax would achieve in New Hanover County, what it would cost, and who would be impacted. After that, it'll be up to you, the voter, to decide what to do. The tax would cover the region's bus system, new bike and pedestrian infrastructure, and would be a first step towards rail realignment. And we have experts from three government agencies here to tell you all about it. Welcome to the newsroom. We are doing an entire hour today on the quarter cent sales tax. And with me are several representatives from organizations that deal with transportation around the county. First, we have Mike Kozlowski, who is the executive director of the Wilmington Metropolitan Planning Organization. Welcome, Mike. Well, thanks for the opportunity to be here. We also have Marie Parker, who's the executive director of WAVE. Thank you. And we have Jessica Loper, who is the public information officer for the county. Hello, everyone. Perfect. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, just to get started, I'd like to get some history about the context of how this ended up on the ballot. So, Jessica, could you maybe give us a little bit of information about how we ended up with the quarter cent sales tax? Yeah, I think um, it's important for people to understand our New Hanover County Board of Commissioners are the ones who actually make the decision about whether the sales tax would go on the November ballot or not. So part of that discussion has been happening for, and Mike and Marie can back me up, I think, uh, for more than a year where we're listening to the community, we're hearing feedback from the community about the needs for WAVE, as well as our bike ped paths and, and some improvements for pedestrian access and safety. And the commissioners were hearing that. And um, in conversations with the city council, they decided, you know, this was the right time to, to move this uh, forward. And a majority of our commissioners voted back in May to actually uh, place this on the ballot for November. So this is fully up to the voters, whether this is something they consider to be important. Um, Marie, I'd love to have you speak a little bit to why it's necessary for WAVES funding for a quarter cent sales tax to go through. Um, I understand there's been difficulty with funding WAVE in the past. Yes. So we are a government entity. We're a public authority that provides the public transportation for the city and some parts of the county. Uh, we do have a shortfall that we need to cover. We're currently a little bit underfunded compared to where we need to be in the community. We're trying to get to a place where our system is right-sized for Wilmington and the outlying areas. And in, in order to do that, we have a fiscal gap that we need to close to get to that place. How big is that fiscal gap? Uh, currently, we're operating on a little bit more than $11 million budget. It's not necessarily appropriate for this size community and the population and density. We probably should be a little bit closer to the 20 million, 18 to 20 million mark at minimum to provide a decent service. So speaking of WAVE, um, there's a couple different buckets that this quarter cent sales tax will put some money into with regards to transportation. And I think the most notable one is probably WAVE for, th for these reasons. So what kind of changes to service could we expect if this quarter cent sales tax would pass? 
Uh, one of the biggest changes is expanding our hours. Currently, we close the entire system at 8 p.m. on weekdays, which is fairly early for a public transportation system. We would like to extend our hours to at least a 10 or 11 o'clock closing time that would better serve our community, uh, the people that are in the service industry that work in different environments and um, need to travel at different times, people that are going to night school or are able to run errands at a later time. We do need to address that first and foremost, and that is the easiest thing to address. So we'll be able to do that in the first year easily. Uh, one of the second items that we would like to do is to increase our frequency, which just means you wait on the bus for a shorter amount of time. So currently most of our routes are on a 60-minute frequency. Um, in layman's terms, that just means people have to wait an hour for the bus to come from the last time that it ran. We'd like to make that more um, friendly. So it's 20, 30 minutes. Uh, sometimes it could be 15 minutes on very high productivity routes. Um, sometimes it may be a little bit longer on the lower productivity routes, up to 45 minutes. But that is one of our biggest objectives is to make sure that we are providing a higher frequency routes in many of the places that are needed. We also want to add some innovation, uh, things like passenger Wi-Fi. So if people are riding the bus that they're able to access their laptops or tablets or phones and access, you know, e-check email, do homework, do work, whatever, while they're in travel. And then another thing we would like to do is to add a program for all youth that reside in the county. All school-age children under 18 years of age would be able to ride for free. We would be able to supply a pass for everyone that is under that age throughout the county so that they could ride for free, and that could save a family up to almost $1,000 per individual. So it would be a substantial impact for those that have um, school-age children. Um, I want to ask about the frequency briefly. What kind of changes to ridership do you typically experience when you see an increase in frequency in other places where you've worked? Yeah, um, in other places that I have worked, you add frequency. You have a, a really strong rebound in ridership where people, you put the service out there and people ride it more. It's more easily accessible. Uh, you don't have to take as many trips or your trips are a lot shorter. So people, it makes it more attractive system and people use it more. Um, one of the things that I did in a previous agency was we added more service on Sunday and we saw almost a 50% growth overnight and ultimately 100% growth long term just on Sunday service where we added more frequencies and we did make it more attractive and more usable. Wow, that's a really impressive gain. It's pretty substantial. Um, we added service back in July here where we added more frequencies. We went from 60-minute frequencies to 30-minute frequencies on three additional routes. We've seen almost a 40% increase on one of those routes so far. Okay. I do have some questions about, uh, you mentioned the shortfall. So if this quarter cent sales tax were not to pass, um, what would happen to WAVE's budget in the longer term? Uh, currently, we are facing a fiscal cliff. In about two years or less, our $11 plus million dollar budget will go down to $7 million, which is a, a pretty substantial reduction in funds that we have available. Um, this would mean either we would have to identify another revenue source to close that gap, or else we would have to reduce service, and that would impact the community. That's WAVE Executive Director Marie Parker talking about the need for financial stability at WAVE. Also joining us to talk about the quarter cent sales tax are Jessica Loper from the county and Mike Kozlowski from WMPO. I serve on the board of directors for WAVE and so, you know, obviously providing public transportation is a priority uh, and so, you know, as a board member I would not want to have to cut service uh, and so, you know, the, the providing these 
this additional revenue would certainly help in, in trying to continue the service that the board recently adopted. Um, I've heard some criticism of WAVE from county commission candidates um, like Tom Toby, who at a recent forum suggested that WAVE's buses are too big for the number of people who ride them and suggested that it's not necessary to pass this additional tax. He's very opposed to additional taxes. Um, Can you address the concern that WAVE is prioritizing too large of buses or that its buses are too large um, for the service necessary for a community of this size? Somewhat of a valid point on some routes. Um, On other routes, it's absolutely necessary. Um, And the capital cost between a 29-foot bus and a 35-foot bus, and mind you, a normal standard bus is 40 feet. Our buses are 35, so we're already running a smaller size vehicle. Um, The smallest, next smallest size will be 29 feet, and those typically cost about $10,000 less on a vehicle. So the capital cost are not that great. And the operating cost, you don't see a huge fuel efficiency over time savings either. The upside to that is is that you have a 35-foot bus. We're currently approaching 50,000 passengers monthly. So if we're approaching that number and we're growing, we need to have a place to put those passengers as we continue to grow. Um, you wouldn't be able to do that with a smaller vehicle. However, there are some cases on some of our lower ridership or lower productivity routes where we could put smaller vehicles. I know for some of those routes, you've taken them offline and kind of replaced them with microtransit. Is that right? That's correct. That's a completely different program. Yeah. Um, I know that WAVE had a history of financial trouble under previous executive directors, but you've won awards for your leadership at WAVE and for some of the programs you've implemented. So I just want to give you the opportunity to talk about some of the changes that have come under your almost two years of leadership to WAVE. Yeah. One of those biggest changes was the implementation of microtransit. It is a lower cost option, and it also serves a larger area. So the span of coverage is a lot area. We have a much larger footprint. Previously, we had a north um, fixed route that went straight up a line and then back down all day. And then we had a, a south route and it only ran every three hours. So it wasn't it wasn't valuable the way that it was designed. We replaced both of those routes with microtransit routes and they cover a much broader span, so coverage area, like I said, a larger footprint. So we're able to serve a much larger population in those two zones in the rural areas. And we're able to connect them to the urban zone so that they can utilize our fixed route system, whereas previously they may not have had access to public transit. Uh, One of the other big changes that we did um, was the changes that we implemented back in July, where we did add those frequencies to three of our routes. Uh, We previously only had one route that ran on 30-minute frequencies. We now have four. Um, And and it's not, you know, in the big picture of things, it's not a lot, but it has made a huge impact to the community and to our ridership. Um, It has been attractive for those that are using it. It's much more available, and it's being used. You can go out there, you know, at any time on either the platforms at either the state and you see those 30-minute buses that are being used and people are getting on and off of them. Uh, We also reallocated some of our resources. We had a low productivity hour on Sunday that we saw that there was a higher need on Saturday mornings. So we reallocated that one hour on Sunday evenings and put it on Saturday. And it's it's turning a benefit. There's a lot more people riding on Saturday morning that were using it in Sunday afternoon. So we're just trying to be creative and 
spread our resources and, and invest the money where it's actually needed. So the three routes that we made 30 minute service were the ones that were already being used. And we saw that, you know, maybe we invested a little bit more in those routes that so they would do even better, which they have. So those have been two of the, the greater things that we did back in July was making some of those changes. So you mentioned 50,000 writers a month, right? Yes. Um, and that's up from how many? Uh, we had gone down, we had had some pretty low months since COVID had happened in the 30,000 range. So um, we have not, you've not, we've not seen a huge spike month over month, but our, our ridership has been incrementally increasing. Um, I did a presentation last week and I talked about how different it's been over the past three years. In the year of 2020, since COVID, we only had one month that exceeded 46,000 passengers. In 2021, we only had one month that exceeded 46,000 passengers. And so far in 2022, we still have four reporting months. We've already had four months that have exceeded 46,000 passengers. So like, again, not a huge spike in ridership, but we are seeing incremental growth and changes in the ridership, and it, it is showing progress and successes. So I have a question now about traffic, um, traffic impacts, and maybe you can jump in on this one as well, Mike. But I'm curious, with increased service from WAVE, um, in other cities, I've heard of transportation organizations like this uh, lowering traffic impacts by having more people take public transit. So can you talk about what impacts you would predict were the quarter cent sales tax to pass? Well, certainly. What we would see is um, potentially a shift in utilization. And, and so, you know, currently people use their their vehicles to, to move around the community. And if the quarter cent sales tax were to pass, uh, it would provide options. Uh, and, and so, you know, it would look and provide options for enhanced public transportation. It would also provide options for walkability and bikeability. Uh, and, and so, you know, you could potentially see a mode shift uh, with the passage of this quarter That was Mike Kozlowski with the Wilmington Metropolitan Planning Organization, or WMPO, along with Jessica Loper from New Hanover County and Marie Parker from WAVE. We're talking about the proposed quarter cent sales tax this hour, and we'll have more for you right after this break. That umbrella we We're back with our panel of government officials talking about the quarter cent sales tax for trails and transit. I'm curious about what the aims are of the projects that are spelled out under this quarter cent sales tax. And I believe it's only spelled out for about the next 10 years what the specific projects would be, but it's an ongoing tax, right? Yes, it, it would go in perpetuity. There's no sunset to the tax. So in the short run, the bike and pedestrian element of the tax, um, is it primarily focused on connectivity or is it based on new bike and pedestrian routes? The proposal would build upon uh, plans that the city and the county and the MPO have developed, uh, whether that be the Walk Wilmington pedestrian plan, the comprehensive greenway plan that was developed in the city and the county, or the MPO's long-range metropolitan transportation plan, which is currently Cape Fear moving forward 2045. Uh, the, the goals or the aim of this effort is to improve walkability and bikeability. Uh, it's also to improve connectivity as well as an enhanced safety 
for bicyclists and pedestrians in in the county. I do know that Wilmington is a relatively dangerous place for cyclists and pedestrians at the moment. That's um, something I've covered in the past. There are specific parts of town where there's a great bike path that ends abruptly and then another one around the corner, but they're not connected. And uh, there's perhaps, you know, a dangerous uh, intersection there for a pedestrian to cross without help. Um, so is that the kind of thing that will be taken care of with this quarter cent sales tax? So the, the quarter cent sales tax proposal does include uh, and identify crosswalks and intersection improvements to improve safety uh, for bicyclists and pedestrians at some of our uh, intersections of our major corridors. Uh, it also, you know, will will build new facilities to enhance utilization and make uh, those corridor, some of those corridors safer. Are there specific uh, intersections that are highly prioritized or corridors that are highly prioritized? Uh, yes. I mean, if you look at, for example, the crosswalks and intersection improvements, uh, there, there are proposed improvements along Military Cutoff Road as well as Market Street, um, 17th Street College. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, those are what we've identified as in the first five years uh, of the program. For those listeners at home who are familiar with my previous reporting on this for the newsroom, some of those streets are identified as some of the more dangerous streets for cyclists and pedestrians. So that could perhaps have a strong impact on the high rate of pedestrian and cyclist injuries that we have here. Um, where would we see entirely new routes in this county? So uh, under the current proposal, uh, we've identified sidewalk improvements along Oriole Drive, uh, College Acres Drive, Medical Center Drive, Wilshire Boulevard, and, and Cardinal Drive, as well as multi-use trails along North and South College Road, as well as Masonboro Loop Road, and the downtown trail connecting from downtown out to Forest Hills. And if I can just interject, I think what Mike is talking about is really important because it provides some tangible examples of the ways the sales tax could really be used and benefit the community. Um, but we're just talking about these first five to 10 years right now. There's a lot that can be done in the years to come. These have obviously been projects that have been prioritized by the city and county based on the needs that we've identified and the plans that Mike spoke about. But those improvements and, and some of those connections, Kelly, you mentioned, that may not be on here, it's not because they're not important, but they can't be funded initially. But that's why having that dedicated and sustainable source of revenue is important because that can be funded down the road and those improvements can come as they're prioritized and, and the need is, is identified. I recall in the debate leading up to this passing um, by the county commission, there was discussion of some trails or sidewalks in the beach towns. Is that still the case? Yeah, I think that's a great point. They would be a direct partner in this. The city and the county would receive the funds uh, because we have the interlocal agreement that established our public transportation system, which is WAVE. Um, and so these sales tax funds would come directly to the city and county. But then we've talked to our beach partners um, and, and the town councils to make sure they understand that this would be a benefit for our beach communities, too, as they identify needs and projects from a bike ped perspective that could help directly connect 
that beach community with public transportation, uh, whether it's a micro transit stop, an actual bus stop, however that connectivity can be increased and the safety of, of pedestrians and um, cyclists can be improved, we can work with those beach communities to help fund those, those projects. Um, a lot of that depends on the timing of it, when they bring it to us, the cost, but, but certainly that would be all part of the plan if this is approved by voters. We would really work with our beach communities as well as all of our municipalities and other community partners to really make sure we've got a plan over the coming years that can be adjusted and that we can make sure we're moving with the needs of the community. Well, I will say that, you know, when we developed our Metropolitan Transportation Plan, Cape Fear Moving Forward 2045, one of the uh, public comments that we received was that the community desires to be more walkable and bikeable. Uh, and so, you know, the city and the county developed a comprehensive greenway plan in 2013. Um, the city developed Walk Wilmington in, in 2009. The city's in partnership with NCDOT is updating that Walk Wilmington plan now and anticipate to complete that by the end of the year. The beach communities, Wrightsville Beach has a, a community transportation plan. Um, Carolina Beach has uh, several plans, but one specifically focused on walking and biking and then the Curry Beach just recently adopted a uh, bicycle and pedestrian plan. And so uh, we will work with those communities to uh, review those plans and identify potential projects and then work with the county uh, to see those implemented. I mean, I'm kind of an avid cyclist, and I recently decided to venture out and do the River to Sea Bikeway um, since I live in the downtown area. And uh, it was really enjoyable for the most part, but there definitely were those little persnickety bits where it was a little tough to get past College Road. There were a couple other intersections where I wasn't sure where I was supposed to go. And then actually in Wrightsville Beach, I had trouble figuring out where the safest routes were. So it's interesting to hear that there might be better cycling infrastructure, first of all, to get there. And then within the beach towns itself, a little bit easier to get around on the sidewalks and such. Well, and the beach towns um, in particular, Carolina Beach, um, Curry Beach and, and um, Wrightsville Beach just submitted an application to the MPO uh, for Causeway Drive. But the beach towns have been able to secure some funds that the MPO doles out on an annual basis, which are direct attributable funds. Uh, and, and so in Carolina Beach, for example, they were able to build the Island Greenway. Uh, we just funded an intersection improvement project in Curry Beach at um, Dow Road and uh, U.S. 421. And so the beach communities are, are taking advantage of the funds that the MPO has uh, to dole out, as well as is the Cape Fear uh, Public Transportation Authority. Uh, you know, I want to give Marie credit. Um, she's looked at technology uh, as a way to enhance our public transportation system, as well as uh, we've been able to provide funding to WAVE to enhance shelters and, and provide benches and places for people to sit and wait for the buses. And so uh, the MPO gets about $5 million annually through our direct attributable program that we disperse to our members. And, and so uh, we've seen tangible results from uh, the applications and requests for those funds. And, and this would build upon that as well. And so I wanted to make that point. Yeah. Um, actually, Marie, I have kind of an interesting question for you. So the microtransit that's available in other areas of the county, has there been much uptake on that in the beach towns? Yes, we actually cover both Carolina and Cary beaches. We go all the way down to Fort Fisher, and there has been 
uh, a very large uptick in ridership on the southern corridors and down to the beaches, yes. Interesting. So folks are coming on with their boogie boards and heading out to the beach? Uh, I'm not sure about the boogie boards, but they're definitely going to the beach. Oh, very cool. (laughs) Um, uh, You mentioned something, Mike, about a modal shift that could come from this. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, when you provide alternative options, then there's the opportunity for users to use those options. And so uh, by providing enhanced frequency on our, our bus routes, then there's an opportunity to take people out of their cars and, and allow them to use the bus. And same with uh, building sidewalks or multi-use trails. People don't always have to get in their car to go, uh, say, on Middle Sound Loop from their neighborhood to the public. They could get on a multi-use trail and so, uh, or and walk or bike. And, and so, you know, this has the opportunity to provide those options uh, for the citizens of the community. That's Mike Kozlowski from the WMPO talking about the possible impacts of projects that could be funded if the quarter cent sales tax is passed. Also joining us are Marie Parker from WAVE and Jessica Loper from New Hanover County Government. Coming from Raleigh, which has um, a pretty substantial public transit system, uh, there's this idea of the choice by choice rider, right? Um, And I guess that would also apply to a cyclist, somebody who will go on a bike if it's pleasant to, but not necessarily if it's difficult. There's people who are forced to because they don't own a car and others who will choose to forego their car if they think it's more convenient, right? So I guess I want to hear a little bit about whether you think these changes will lead to more of those by choice riders, both on bicycles and by bus. Um, Yes. So the key to having these options be viable and people use them is it has to be competitive. So if using the bus takes me two hours and I can do it in my car in 15 minutes, it's not a viable option for me and people most likely won't use it. But if you do give them a 30-minute option and it takes them 20 minutes now, it may become an option for them. Well, I can sit on the bus and send emails on my way and I don't have to worry about driving. Then people will more likely start becoming more prone to use public transportation or biking or any other options that become available to them as long as it's competitive. And of course, it has to be safe. If you have a safe alternative as well, there's a lot of people, if they become a certain age and they don't feel comfortable or confident driving anymore, if that's a new option for them and it's a safer option for them, they may choose that instead of to drive themselves. And for cycling, is it the same case? Yes. I mean, the more options that you provide, the better connectivity, then the more it will be used. And I want to use an example. I was sitting in a restaurant um, yesterday, and and there was a gentleman behind me having a conversation. He lives in Autumn Hall. And he was talking about the Cross City Trail and said, um, and this shifts to to walking, but he walks three miles a day. And and so um, he was talking about how delighted he was to live in Autumn Hall and connect to the Cross City Trail because then he could just walk out of his neighborhood and walk his three miles. And and it was very convenient for him. And so if we provide that convenience to the, the residents of this community, then they're more uh, apt to use it. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to use that because it just came to mind from from sitting there yesterday and and you know it, it comes back to the the opportunities and the choices and and I, the more that we provide the opportunity i believe you're going to see the more utilization of the facility
Okay, moving on a little bit here. Uh, the third bucket that this money will fall into is rail realignment, right? Um, I'm looking at you for this one, <laughs> Jessica. Um, and I guess my first question is, what is rail re- realignment? I think a lot of people don't know what that is, but we hear it a lot. Yeah, well, and unfortunately, you don't have a resident expert here with you in the studio today, um, but maybe Mike and I can sort of work together to, to kind of uh, provide that overview. So if, if you want me to talk a little bit about rail realignment, that is the relocation of the rail line. So currently, the rail line uh, makes a U-shape through the city of Wilmington. And, and so the idea is to move the line outside of the city uh, across the river, uh, which would then reduce 30-plus rail crossings, improve safety for the the motoring public as well as as the train, but then also long-term convert the existing rail corridor to some sort of public transportation or bicycle pedestrian uh, facility. And so uh, that is is the rail realignment in a nutshell. Um, And so the city uh, has a a rail realignment director uh, that's been working uh, on this project for several years. And, and so um, they're, they're taking the project now to a 30% design um, and, and are actively working on that. Uh, and so this is a real project. Um, and and uh, the hope is that to continue to get funding uh, for the project. And, and, and this um, quarter cent sales tax could help that along uh, and be used toward a local match to leverage state and federal funds. Uh, The the city has already been uh, very uh, successful in uh, receiving both uh, state and federal funds for this project, and this would continue the effort. Okay, interesting. Um, Just to clarify, and I'm sure many listeners have experienced this themselves, the purpose of moving the rail line across the river is basically to make sure we don't all get caught behind the train when it passes through the middle of town. Um, And it cuts off the hospital from certain areas as well. So there's there's a safety element in that as well as in any crashes that could happen with the train. It's a mobility, safety, and economic development initiative. You mentioned that the uh, the passage that the train currently goes through could become public transportation. What are some of the ideas that currently exist for that? I think there was a, a feasibility study that was completed several years ago now um, in which the, the city and the MPO worked on. Uh, and we identified long-term a, a desire for potential public transportation, whether that be some sort of trolley system or uh, bicycle and pedestrian improvements. But that's all a matter of funding. That's all long-term. The first part of the puzzle would be to move the rail across the river and up the 421 corridor to Navassa. And then um, the second phase of a project would be to uh, determine and implement the, you know, some sort of public benefit. And, and I'll just add on to that. I think what's important about this being included as part of a potential funding for from the sales tax is because the the fact that we would have local dollars to leverage Mike talked a little bit about state and federal funding, but there's no way that we as a local community can fund this large-scale project. It's a big project. It requires a lot of partners. It requires partners with the DOT, the MPO, and and many others. And so um, having local 
dollars to be able to leverage to the state and to the federal government to really make this project whole is why it's part of this and, and why it's an important piece of this puzzle. This is probably more than a billion dollar project overall, but you have to have some kind of local match in order to get any federal funding, whether it's 5%, 10%. And that's often the case for state DOT dollars, the same kind of process for any of that. So starting to get this money rolling will make it easier in the long run to fund it. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Um, Do you have any sense of what the actual total cost may be for this project? Yeah, I think, and Mike may be able to speak to this, but it's too early, I think, in the in the project, in the process. Yeah, I know Aubrey has developed some preliminary cost estimates, but I don't recall what the, the numbers are at this point. I know that this has been kind of a discussion for a long time. Um, do you know how far towards this goal the sales tax would bring us in the next 10 years? I think, again, I think it's too early to even know that. Really, in the first 10 years, um, I think what people could potentially see is an improvement on that um, Front Street corridor, the North Front area near the port, where DOT is already uh, working on a widening project and, and bringing in pedestrian pathways, relocating the rail that runs right there. That's really, that that is a, a tangible goal that could be worked towards within that first 10 years. So that's something um, that the community could could potentially um, see from the sales tax. So that area right along Front Street by the port? Yes. So NCDOT has a a project uh, in partnership with with MPO to widen South Front Street from Burnett Boulevard to the Cape Fair Memorial Bridge. And and so um, the rail realignment project desires to move the rail uh, to the west side. Uh, There'd also be a multi-use trail on the east side of of South Front Street. And so um, these funds could be used as the local match to move that rail line to the west side of the street. Hey, Porter, hey, Porter, would you tell me the time? I'm Kelly Knoyer, and I'm chatting with Mike Kozlowski, Jessica Loper, and Marie Parker about the proposed quarter cent sales tax on the ballot this fall. When we come back, we'll hear a lot more about the finances, how much it'll cost consumers, and how much it will raise. What time did you say? How much longer will it be to like and see the light of day? We're back with our panel of government experts discussing the proposed quarter cent sales tax. With us today is Marie Parker from WAVE, Mike Kozlowski from WMPO, and Jessica Loper from New Hanover County Government. I would really like to ask a little bit about the financials when it comes to the quarter cent sales tax. So first of all, how much money do we expect this to generate per year in the sh- in the first couple years? Sure. Based on initial projections, it's anticipated we would get around $14 million a year from the sales tax. And how much of that is going to go into each of the three buckets we've outlined, wave, bike and pedestrian infrastructure, and rail realignment? Well, overall, from the framework that's been established by the city and the county, 45% would go to wave transit, 39% to bike ped, and then 16% to rail realignment. So is that going to be the breakdown for the entire lifetime of this tax, or could that change in the future depending on shifts, like if rail realignment is completed, for example? 
That's a great question. Yet, yeah, really, what we're how we're framing that is within the first ten years of the life of this sales tax. That's what the initial framework would be. So beyond that, I don't know that any of us know. But but that would really be um, something that this working group that we get together after if the sales tax is approved, um, we would be able to work through that and determine, are these the right funding buckets after 10 years? What does that look like? Um, it's all got to be tied to public transportation and that connectivity. But what does that look like in the future? And our priorities now are going to be very different in the years to come. So there's a broad swath of things that could fall into public transportation. And after 10 years, any of those could become on the table as well. I think so. I mean, I don't want to speak for our commissioners or city council who would really be ultimately making those decisions. Um, But I think it's just important for people to understand this sales tax, it would be required to go towards public transportation infrastructure from a bike ped, from a wave transit, public transportation system, um, and, and rail. So there are specific guidelines that would have to be followed, but the actual projects themselves, um, the allocation of money, all of that could really change. I know that when this quarter cent sales tax was up for debate in the county commission and city council, it was discussed alongside a housing bond. So I'm curious about how we landed on a sales tax for transit. Um, The bond obviously did not end up on the ballot and this transportation tax did. So do we have a sense of why it's a sales tax and not some other funding mechanism? Yeah, I think in conversations, uh, it was important that this be sort of spread among anybody in our community. So this is not just property owners, which typically a bond would impact. This is anybody who spends money on eligible goods in the community. So it could be visitors that are coming into our community who are spending a lot of money. And um, they're, they're enjoying all of the infrastructure that we have. And you know, biking from a brewery to the beach. that That's something that they could enjoy, and they're going to contribute to that if this sales tax passes, as well as commuters and obviously our residents. So it would not just be one segment of the community who would really be bearing the, the cost of, of this. So unlike a bond, people who visit Wilmington, people who work in Wilmington will be paying into this tax because it's all all kinds of items that they would pay for That's correct. Yeah, retail items, going out to um, eat at a restaurant, like Mike talked about, that would be eligible under the sales tax. There are a few exemptions, though, and I think that's important to point out. Um, Most groceries, so fruits, vegetables, all of those staple goods that you purchase at the grocery store would not be eligible under the sales tax. Um, Prepared foods are, uh, but other things like gas and prescriptions are also exempt from the sales tax. So if you're going to uh, fill up your car with gas, that's not going to be taxed in addition to what what it already is. So it's most things you would get in a store other than food that you would cook in your home and prescriptions, gasoline. Are there other exemptions that we should know about? Those are really the the main ones. There is actually a full list. If anybody's interested, you can go to our trailstransitnhc.com website 
and see a link to um, a list of items that are exempt. But there are some really random ones on there, like a wood chipper. So I don't know that that really applies to everybody in the community. So we really pulled those three out because we feel like that's important for people to understand. Um, you're spending a lot of money at the grocery store, and a lot of people are concerned about inflation and rising costs. And we want them to understand that this is not going to apply to um, your grocery bill for the majority of it. Yeah. So a quarter cent sales tax, you know, if they buy an item that's worth $100, that's $2.50, right? It's an extra 25 cents. An extra 25 cents. 25 cents for I'm every... so bad at math. <laughs> that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Um, no, yeah, 25 cents for every $100 purchased of eligible goods. So if you spend $10,000 a year on eligible goods, then you're spending $25 more through this sales tax. So our current tax rate uh, or sales tax rate is seven cents. This would bring it up to 7.25 cents. And that's not groceries. It's things like clothing. Correct. Gotcha. That's Jessica Loper from New Hanover County. And also here are Mike Kozlowski from WMPO and Waves Marie Parker discussing the proposed New Hanover County transit tax. Um, I want to ask a little bit more about the permanence of it. So, um, you know, it's not a bond. It doesn't have a sunset. why was that an important element of this? Well, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but that sustainability and having a dedicated source of funds. So it's not just a $50 million bond where we uh, determine what projects need to be complete. And then once those are complete, we're finished. It's really to make sure our community for the long haul has a sustainable source of revenue dedicated to make sure that WAVE isn't having to come to the county and city asking for money because they want to be innovative and they want to get um, new infrastructure or new uh, technology in their system. Um, it's, It's not Mike and his team or or Tara from our parks and and others coming to the county and city saying, we've got a real problem with these intersections and sidewalks, but we don't have a way to fund them. Can you help us? This really creates a mechanism to make sure that that funding is in place, those projects can move forward, and we can make sure that we're forward thinking from a public transportation infrastructure. Marie, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about the permanence of this and why you might consider that to be important. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what WAVE went through in previous years trying to get funding to sustain itself and how this would change that expectation? I think probably in previous years, WAVE was a little bit more reactive versus being proactive, which is what this funding will allow If there is a grant or funding that's made available every year, sometimes the state makes funding available on year after year, but it's not guaranteed. So there was a situation a few years back where the state had made funding available for multiple years, and then this particular year they didn't have that funding available, and it had a huge economic um, impact to WAVE's budget, and it, it... it was very hard to come back from. So if you plan for something and you're dependent upon funds that are not dedicated and they're not guaranteed, it makes it very hard to plan and budget for your life cycle and making sure that you have everything in place to operate and to have a viable system. 
And I know on the part of writers, sometimes that unpredictability in, in routes, for example, can make it difficult for them to plan for how they'll continue to get to work. So if a route changes suddenly for budget cut reasons or something gets cut, hour an hour is cut or changed, that can make it harder for them in some respects, right? Yes. And that's, that's an exponential impact. So if you, just like we had to do back in 2020, we had to cut some of our hours in in the evening. I think we used to run until 9 p.m. and we had to pull it back until 8 p.m. So if you have somebody that's been dependent on the transit system to get back and forth to work and they can only get there and now they can't get back, you're not losing one trip, you're losing two. So, or you're losing four if they were going to lunch or anything during their shift. So it does make a huge difference. Um, People do abandon transit if it's not reliable. So if you have you know, 15 routes in place, and then you have 12, and then you have one-hour service, and then you have, you know, every two-hour service, and it's not dependable. People will find a different alternative that is dependable because people have to get to work, and they have to rely on something to get there and to be there every day on time. We're coming pretty close to the end of our conversation here. So I guess what I'd love to hear from you is, could you all paint me a picture of what our town will look like in 10 years if this quarter cent sales tax passes? Well, I think I'll start us off, but they're really the visionaries from a transportation perspective. Um, From the county's perspective, we want to make sure that people can connect easily wherever they want to go. So the North and South College trails that Mike mentioned are really important for our community because we've got a really great cross city trail. We're trying to make sure we have the, the core trails in place so you can ultimately get from one place to another, but then build on that and create additional trails that really kind of spike off of those core trails to make sure that that connectivity can, can really be accomplished throughout the community. Well, and I, w- I want to add to that. So the city and the county have been successful in, in developing uh, trails and, 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 you know, and this is to build upon and create a future network. So um, the, the city built the Cross City Trail. Uh, the transportation bond included funding for uh, multi-use trails, Central College Trail, for example, that connected to the Cross City Trail. Um, the military cutoff road trail was built by NCDOT many years ago. Um, and then with the military cutoff extension project, that that will connect out to, to Middle Sound Loop. You know, then there's other projects that will connect to that. And so this is, the intent is to create a comprehensive interconnected network. And then also to enhance safety. Uh, as you mentioned, um, Wilmington's a dangerous place to, to walk and bike. And so uh, these funds would be used to enhance safety at uh, the crosswalks and intersections along our major corridors and then uh, also to enhance uh, public transit and to provide for the choice riders. And so um, it would create a convenience where more people have the ability to access public transportation on a more frequent time frame. And so uh, from a broad perspective, what this would do is it would Uh, provide for enhanced and more frequent transit service. It would also provide for enhanced uh, walking and biking, providing more convenient, safe routes for people to to walk and bike in the community, and also uh, provide the seed money to move the rail across the river. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize one thing. There may be three buckets or three separate projects, but this is meant to be one hyper interconnected 
integrated network where people can use. They don't have to have one option where they're just going to take the bus or they're just going to bike or they're just going to walk. They can take their bike from their home to the bus stop and get on at that location and take their their bus to work. So it's meant to be, you know, one huge network, you know, kind of like a spider web where we're at the middle and then the the trails and everything kind of connects to us and it works both ways and we have people that are, are using all the all the different modes of transit. Um, in 10 years, what it could potentially look like is, you know, I moved here from, from out of town and I happen to be in a location. I don't have public transportation. I don't have bike trails. I don't have walking trails. Uh, we could establish that bike trail, walking trail to where I live and I could take my bike up to the stop. At that stop, there could be a digital sign that lets me know that the bus is going to be there in 15 minutes and I could take that bus directly to work and have those options. So I think, you know, a more innovative, a more usable, a more viable, developed system that is, you know, I keep hearing from from some of the candidates like you brought up about we're trying to be a New York City. That's not what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve a right size system and development for Wilmington and for New Hanover County to, to kind of catch up. We've had a lot of people move here, but we need to get to to support them in a better way. Especially since the unincorporated parts of the county um, have really grown in population without a lot of commensurate service, right? Um, I mean, Middle Sound Loop Road, for example. Uh, I think that there's, isn't there now a bike route there? Or there's plans for one, right? On Middle Sound Loop Road, there's a Maltese uh, trail that's planned that the MPO is working with the county to fund. And, and, and as I talked about, the, that will connect to uh, the multi-use path along Market Street, which will connect down to uh, the military cutoff extension, which will then connect you to, to military cutoff road. And, and so that's just one example. Another example of, of the projects are included in this referendum would be uh, the Mason Borough Loop Trail. And so the city has a a project to build um, a trail along Masonboro Loop from uh, Andrews Reach down to to Navajo Trail, uh, and this would connect that trail all the way down to Monkey Junction, uh, and so and then connect with the proposed South College Road Trail, and so this would create a a comprehensive network uh, in our community. Gotcha. And I want to bring up that Marie brought up a good point. When we were developing the projects for consideration for this effort uh, for the city of Wilmington, for example, one of the criteria we used was connectivity to the highest ridership transit routes. And so, um, as you can see in this, there's the downtown trail. And so uh, we would provide an opportunity for somebody to walk to the, the bus, get on the bus, and then go somewhere else in the city or the county and so you know the, the intent or the goal is to provide a a comprehensive transportation network uh throughout the county and and, and we've laid the foundation and the blueprint through our long-range transportation plan but this would implement that uh, effort anything else anyone would like to add yeah i'll just mention we do have a website that people can visit trails transit it's a good resource we're here to really educate the community on what this sales tax could do, the opportunities it could bring. But it's really the voters who need to decide whether or not this is something they want to support uh, in the community. And so TrailsTransitNHC.com gives you a lot of information. It uh, outlines some of the projects that we've talked about today and has a lot of uh, frequently asked questions that provide some good insight into the sales tax. 
All right. Well, thank you, Jessica Loper, Marie Parker, and Mike Kozlowski for your time. I really appreciate you coming into the studio today. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Yes, yes thank, thank you. you. Thank you to WHQR technical team Ken Campbell and Jonathan Furnell, and to our editor Ben Shockman. If you missed part of the program, you can find it at whqr.org. You can also now find it as a podcast pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. If you have thoughts or comments about today's program or ideas for a future show, email us at newsroom at whqr.org. I'm Kelly Kenoyer. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Newsroom. Newsroom.